In the Lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's Drew. That's right. You heard the man. It's In the Lab time, Drew, with my good friend, John Harris. John, good to see you. How are you? Doing all right, Drew. Trying to uh, get through this uh, coaching search. Mm-hmm. And Super and... Wild Card Weekend. Oh, man. Super you got Wild Card that. Weekend. How about the performance by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Super Wild Card Weekend? How about those Cowboys? Oh, yeah, I was wow. surprised. I thought I I thought Tom Brady and them were going to get hot and just roll the Cowboys. But you know what? Body of work, that kind of makes sense for what mm-hmm. the season was for both yep. those teams. Um, I mean, it's one of those things where you try to anticipate, okay, well, this team will kind of turn the level up. We've seen them do it before. They'll do it again. They're going to mm-hmm. turn the volume up. They'll be fine. And – if that was the Bucks turning the volume up, my God, where was it? I don't have I don't have any clue. Yeah. But here's the other thing that stood out to me. When you and I did this podcast a year ago and we're thinking about the schedule and we're talking through the schedule, we're like, we got the AFC West. Yikes. Mm. But, but, but we got the NFC East. Man, we should be okay. Right. Three of the eight teams left in the divisional playoff round. Giants, Eagles, Cowboys. Every one of them but the Commanders and the, still alive. And the Commanders, that's the that's the NFC East team that beats you the worst. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they put a physical down. beat down on you. Yeah. So you you battled with the Cowboys, you battled with the Giants, you battled with the Eagles. The three teams that made it, mm-hmm. they're the three teams that you actually are in a ball game going into the fourth quarter. The Commanders, you never felt that way. But the NFC East flipped it around. So what does the NFC South do next year? That's gonna be that's gonna the division the Texans will play as the crossover team. So that was the, the feeling last year. Like, oh, yeah, we got the AFC West, eh, but now we got but got the NFC East. We felt good. Now you look at it and go, well, the AFC West was okay. Yeah. You know, Chiefs yeah. were what we thought they were. You know, we had our had our struggles in Denver, you know, scoring. Um, it probably should have beaten them. Had a chance against the Raiders. Um, and the Chargers, you're right there in a the ball game. You got a, you're down six with the ball in the red zone after a fumble, and you can't score. Yeah. So it kind of... It kind of flipped on you what you thought it was going to be going in. And this year, it's going to be the NFC North. So that means Bengals, Browns, Steelers, and Ravens, which is going to be tough regardless because that's just that the brand of ball that division right. plays. And then you got the NFC South. Well, the NFC South is exactly what the NFC East was last year. Right, right, right. So we'll see how that all flips around um, for, for that division. Ironically, the three teams, as you look at the NFC South, they're going to be a lot of quarterback changes. But for the three teams that are still in divisional rounds, Giants, Daniel Jones, Phillies, Jalen Hurts, Cowboys, Dak Prescott, we knew who the quarterbacks were. Mm-hmm. We knew who those guys were going to were going to be. But there were coaching change in New York, continued ascent with Jalen Hurts in Philly, and Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott staying healthy yeah. in Dallas. So you had all those things kind of happening in the NFC East. So hopefully the NFC South doesn't turn it around quite like that because we played them in 2023. But, man, the NFC East did. Holy smokes. Yeah. Now – Tom Brady may be done with football. I think for sure he's done with the Buccaneers. I think if he plays next yeah. year, he's somewhere else. And that leads me into this on that mock draft simulator that I do and you do yep. quite a bit. Yep. The Buccaneers try to trade up quite often with me. And I, tr- I usually, when I'm at 12, I usually always trade with them because they always offer a first next year and then their first this year in exchange for the 12. Sometimes some other things, but... I'd take a first for next year from the Buccaneers. Yeah. I think they're going to struggle a little bit. That's just right now. Now, they could bring in some awesome quarterback 
some sort of way and change things up. But I, I think they're going to be. They'll be drafting down in the 20s. Mm-hmm. 20, I think 20 will be the spot. 20 or 21. I can't remember for sure where exactly. And it may be. They're at 19. Or they're at 19 in that little thing I'm doing now. But that might have changed. Yeah, let's uh, see. Because of what happened last night. They are at 19. Okay. They are at 19. So, yeah. Oh, they're 8 9. I kept thinking 9 and 8. But mm-hmm. they're they're 8 and 9. Uh, they'll pick behind two 9 and 8 teams. Pittsburgh right. and Detroit. Not make the playoffs. How about that? Uh, they'll pick behind an 8 8 and 1 team. Um in Washington. So uh, they'll pick four and five spots behind New England and Green Bay, who are both eight and nine. So eight and nine got them in the playoffs, but it hurt them in terms of draft positioning. Now, I don't think you're going to be able to get a quarterback there, and I don't think Brady's going back. So that quarterback position, that's one of the, that's one of the in the labs that we need to do at some point is a quarterback carousel. Yeah. Take all 32 teams and figure out, okay. a lot of movement this offseason. Josh Allen, Bills, lock it in. But the Packers, mm-hmm. totally up in the air. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff like this. There's a lot. Where does Derek Carr wind up? Right. Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo, where does he mm-hmm. go? Does Baker Mayfield, is he still a starting quarterback in the NFL? And if so, where does he go? Um, and then the coaching movement can kind of help clear some of that up and yet make it completely murky. So, yeah, Super Wild Card Weekend was kind of interesting. But that was the one thing that stood out. The NFC East that was supposed to stink – now it's three teams in the final eight. Yeah. And that was that was why. But some good games. Um, some good performances. Daniel Jones stepping up and playing as well as he did, I think it was a big feather in the cap of head coach Brian Dable, but offensive coordinator play caller Mike Kafka. And Kafka has been requested for an interview here. I don't mm-hmm. know if it has been locked in whether he has accepted that or not, but Mike Kafka, former I remember as a Northwestern that's, uh, Wildcat that's my quarterback. First thought, yeah. That's all I think about him. Ping ponged around the league as a yep. uh, backup, third stringer, that type of thing. But, uh, anyways, what I'm, what I want to talk to you about today, is something you wrote last week that uh, is recently or has recently gone up on HoustonTexans.com, and it's about the best draft prospect at each position. Yep. Now I don't want to go through each position. Right. I want to pinpoint. The wide receiver spot. Ooh, okay, let's do it. Are the Texans going to use that second overall pick on a wide receiver? Probably not. But at twelve, look out. Maybe. That could come in play. And there is a guy out west who started up east, mm-hmm. who you have number one overall as the wide receiver choice. Not the first pick in the draft, but right. you have him as the best wide receiver available. Well, that was because. I didn't know what Quentin Johnston was going to do. Right. So that changes? So that changes. Let's talk about that then. Okay. So you here like, are my top two. You like QJ. Yeah, I like Quentin Johnston from okay. TCU, 6'4", 217. He's an absolute freakazoid of an athlete. If you remember how Kelvin Benjamin looked when he was on mm-hmm. the field, I mean, it was just arms and legs for days, but you're looking at him going, holy cow, that dude's freaky. That's Johnston, a little thinner, better shape, better football character, better off-the-field character. And has four three eight four three nine speed forty two inch vert. He's just freak is He's a freak show. And because I've wait time out because I've seen some half ass draft analysts oh. say that all he does is run nine routes. All he does is run the fly route. Now That's he d- he does have to improve some of his route running and things like that. But he's got natural hands. He's excellent after the catch. You know shallow screen. That's uh, you know one of the, the the play that he made against Michigan. I think is a is a big one to watch and study because it looks simple, but a lot of teams in the NFL are now running that sort of play where they have a receiver on one side, 
and then they essentially run a screen pass where they'll have three guys on the right side and they'll all run up. It looks like they're running a route, but they're essentially blocking. And then guy comes across on a shallow, very shallow, and they throw it to him. And then that guy's it's a screen, basically. Yeah. Quentin Johnston beat the corner by two steps going across the field and then beat feet for 80 yards to the house, and nobody from Michigan got close. Mm. That showed you the full package of what he can do. I mean, obviously, he can he, he can snatch the ball out of the air. He can do so many things. Now, some of the, the polished aspects of his game need to come around, route running, those things that needs a little bit more polish. I mean, I think there are better guys uh, at route running, but they're also 5'10", 5'11", 190 pounds. Like Josh Downs, I saw him mocked to the Texans to top of the second round. And I like him, but I think you got a few guys like Josh Downs already. Mm-hmm. Even though Nico Collins is 6'4", 215, kind of the same size, they could look each other in the eye. Quentin Johnson's speed and right. ability to separate may open more things up for Nico. And vice versa. Nico's got some of that speed, too. That could open some things up for a guy like Quentin Johnson going across the middle. So Nico's got sneakier speed. Yes. But... Johnston's he, faster, but Nico his, Nico can fly. Like he's he's it's an underrated aspect one of this of the, game. One of the phrases that you'll hear defensive backs use, or you'll hear just coaches use, talking about wide receivers. He gets on a DB's toes fast, mm-hmm. and so if you think about a DB, they're they're going backwards. So how they choose to go backwards, whether it's they you know flip hips and run, whether it's backpedal, whether it's side shuffle, but a lot of times they're going backwards. And so the faster that a wide receiver can get on that DB's toes, it forces that DB into the decision. Like, oh, man, I got to turn and go. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, boom, you break down. You run the dig route. You break down. You run the out route or the comeback. And you're wide open because you can – Nico does that really well. He gets on our DB's feet. I saw that in training camp in particular. He could get on DB's feet fast because he ate up a lot of room with his stride. Those DBs had to make a decision. And then Nico would break it down and then read his route off of that. That's one of the things that Quentin's got to learn how to do a little bit better. But the physical prowess, wow. The second guy he talked about is Jordan Addison. Out Jordan Addison USC. from USC. And mm-hmm. he talked about he started East. He started at Pitt. Got a big NIL deal, apparently, to go out to USC. And there are a lot of people saying, well, you know, to have a great year at USC. You know, had a lot more catches and everything. You'll play with Kenny Pickett out, you know, at Pitt. There are a lot of mouths to feed out USC. Right. Even at the receiver position, Jerry Rice's son, Brendan Rice, was out there. Uh, Taj Washington was a great slot receiver like Josh Downs. Um, their running game, Travis Dye and Austin Jones, are very, very good. And, of course, Caleb Williams is going to get his in both the run and the pass game. So not as a lot more mouths to feed at USC. However, watching him out at USC, I felt like his skills popped a little bit more. Hmm. I felt like I was watching a little bit more of an inside-outside threat, whereas at Pitt, he was – playing almost the majority of the time on the inside he's kind of what the colleges are using these jumbo slots now he's not jumbo he's six foot 175 but i think about him as an outside guy that's the way i wanted to think about him now i look at him at usc and i'm like boy i think he could be inside and outside he could be a guy that can move inside can move out motion him there's some things you can do he's got excellent ball skills okay he's very good after the catch he does a lot of things now he's six foot 180 175 something like that so he kind of looks like a slot guy, but I, I think say, he's got outside skills. Seventy-five. Uh, that that kind of makes that that pricks my ears up. That's okay. a little light, but take tell me why that doesn't really matter as much with him. Two words, Devontae Smith. Okay. I don't know if you had a chance, Drew, to see him down on the field. Watch Devontae Smith for years at Alabama. Seeing Devontae Smith up close, I was struck. Wow, he's thin. I mean, he's thin. Like, mm-hmm. let's not even let's not even say wiry. 
Like he's thin. The nickname Slim Reaper. I went, wow. It's a great. His nickname. ankles, legs. I mean, t- Drew, his waist was tiny. I was like, wow. And then you watched him run routes and get open, and you realize, okay, he runs really good routes. He's got excellent speed. He's tougher than two dollar steak. Those are all things I see in Jordan Addison too. Gotcha. Okay. And so I think that's gonna. He's not gonna get out there and just get absolutely mauled in press coverage. He's gonna be able to get off that. He's got good release. Um, good releases. He'll vary them up. I mean, he's he's not kind of a and one superstar. Some of those guys that I see are a lot of a lot of times with receivers, especially young receivers, they're very they're very fancy with their releases, but it takes so long. Like, just get open. Just get open. So Addison is kind of a more all-round, but a guy that has some, I think, inside-outside versatility, which is fun. These are both two guys that you could see the Texans using that 12th overall pick on? That's about where if I have them. There. That's about where I have them. I've got, um, right now, my Harris 100 at the beginning of the 2023 season, I think I had Johnson at 17. I think I had Addison at 20. I think both of them would probably go up a shade. I think Johnson would probably 14, 15. Addison will probably be 18, 19. So, yeah, I think it, you know, anywhere around that range, yeah, it makes makes some sense because you know as well as I do, Drew. Yeah. The more This organization needs more guys than when the football is in their hands. They're making explosive plays. Explosive. They added one with Damian Pierce. Got one, I think, with Nico Collins when he's healthy. Don't know what we're going to get with John Mechie, but I get the feeling he'll give you some of that too. But you need more. Would... And these guys not these two aren't wide receivers, but would Michael Mayer from Notre Dame the tight end and Darnell Washington from Georgia the tight end? Yes. Would they also give you that, or is Washington kind of a different? Well, I mean, he he looks he, like a continent when he's he out does. There. He's he's a unit for sure. Whenever you see Washington, you just well, you're a tight end. Holy cow! And that's I've you know how I feel about the words tight end. Because when as soon as people say tight end, they get this image and they clank, close their eyes and they're like, okay, that's what tight end is. And then you watch him and go, wait a second, he's a tight end? Wait, he's a tight end? Wait, how is he a tight end? He's a tight end. And then you line up Steven Anderson from a few years ago, a yeah. tight end next to him, and you're like, wait, how's he a tight end? How he's it's just that's just a nomenclature used. I think Darnell Washington, I always want to call him Valentine, Darnell Valentine. But I think Darnell Washington could do anything on a football field. That dude is freaky. Um at six seven, two seventy. He's got the size to be a really good inline blocker when you need him to be. I think he's more of an all-around threat. Um, Mayer, I think Mayer is the best package of all-around skills. Got it. And I think Mayer could be an absolute threat on the interior passing game. I remember Brian Gaines saying that. I, I never really knew how to say that. Like, the guys that catch the ball mainly on the inside, like slot receivers and tight ends. And I remember him saying the interior passing game, and I went, ooh, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of the way I look at it. Tight ends, um, the tight ends, and guys that play at that position, line up there. Mayer can be dynamic. Here's the other thing about Mayer. A lot like, you know, Kelsey. And I mean, he's not Kelsey. I compared Mayer. My comp to Mayer was more TJ Hawkinson. And that was the one I used. I the, the initial thought is he wears 87, he's big, and he's fast. He catches the ball really well. You think about Gronk. But it's really hard to compare anybody to Gronk. One of a kind. One of a kind. I think Mayer can be that kind of player. Wow. But Mayer, can, my, Mayer like Kelsey, can flex out and go one-on-one. And not only go one-on-one, he can go one-on-one and win. Not as much as Kelsey can, but he has that. And what that does is even just putting a guy out there that you know can win – out wide, on his own, you're forcing the defense to declare coverage. Because if you walk a corner out there, a lot of times teams are like, okay, we know that zone. 
you're going to run a linebacker out there. You're like, okay, that's man, and we're going out there. Yeah. Because he's going to he's going to whip that guy. It's a safety. Probably the same. Okay, we're just going to body him up. We're just going to run hitches and make that safety have to go through him. But that's something you can do with Mayer because he's such a good outside wide receiver as well. So there's a lot you can do with Michael Mayer. But I, I, I mean, you think about the tight ends we have now. If you bring Jordan Akins back, and he's a free agent, so if you bring him back, you got TQ, you still have Brevin. So you've got three guys that have shown some things. Mayer takes you to a whole different level. But right. do you have other needs? You know, is it is it a bigger need at the wide receiver position than a tight end? Now, in theory, I, you could fill both. You could. With your 12th and your third. I mean, you could do any of them. But, like, your 12th and 33, sure. it stands to reason that a player from each position. And sure. Two of those players that we mentioned out of those, those four, good chance that they're both available. Yeah. And you can do it with them. Absolutely. And you can also help your running game, too, and the receiving game. Yeah. Because you have guys like Jameer Gibbs. You have Devin A-Chain. You have guys that can, you know, like that. Whereas Mayer at tight end, he can flex out. Mm -hmm. He can be an inline guy. He can be an H. He can move. There's a lot of things you can do. So he gives you kind of wide receiver tight end qualities. Washington gives you more tight end than wide receiver, but you still could right. do some of those things because he's an absolute unit and he's got athleticism, soft hands. But with a guy like A-Chain and Gibbs, those guys can help your backfield as much as they can help your interior nice passing compliment to Damian Pierce. Right, absolutely. They're a little so, different than he is. Right, and that gives you a different, that gives you a different option too. So a guy like Addison, he's going to help your wide receivers. Johnson's going to help your wide receivers. Mayer's going to give you kind of wide receiver tight end help. Washington will give you that. Gibbs and A-Chain kind of give you backfield plus slot receiver passing game help. So you get more bang for your buck in some sense. But I think it, and some of this will depend on what are they doing free agency. Yeah. Now, just looking at the list of wide receivers that are free agents, eh, not sold. Right, right. And there are some people that will sit there, and you'll hear this throughout this draft process, and eh, the wide receivers, eh, it's not a great group. What it is it's a deep group right there it's it's i think it's very deep and they've got two massive question marks two guys that really were thought to be at the top of the class didn't one didn't play and one didn't play exceedingly well uh for a number of reasons and, and that's, one one of those is jackson jackson smith, jackson smith and jigba, jigba didn't play Ohio all year State, yeah and then Keishon booty from LSU. jackson smith and jigba showed me last year he's a first rounder you know so if he's healthy if he's sitting there at 12 oh boy i'm gonna have a hard decision yeah. Because I know what I saw in 2021 when he is not only playing at the level of Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, who combined, I think, for 155 receptions this year and were outstanding. He not only held his own with those two on the same roster, he's oftentimes was above those guys. Man. So do you take a guy like that, even though he didn't play in 2022? He's not Jamar Chase, but could he could he be that guy? And he's an inside-outside guy, too, that you could do a lot with. So that's another guy that could get in the mix to me. I don't think Booty gets in that mix. I think Booty you would think about if he's there at 33. I think there are some, some, maybe some issues there that kind of arose at the end of his career at LSU. So I have to face that. But it's a, it's a deep and diverse group, which is what I like about the receiver group. You know what I like about you is I can talk about the draft any minute of any day. doesn't matter if it's July. doesn't matter if it's December. We can talk about the draft. Let's trap. do it. So this ra this article that I referenced about John, it's up on HoustonTexans.com. It pinpoints the best at each position 
And I joked with John. I was like, I'm not submitting this article. I didn't see a fullback. I didn't see a long snapper. <laughs> you didn't do the you didn't do the task that was asked. But it's awesome. I'm joking. No, I, it was I, awesome. I, I you know I never do kickers or punters. <laughs> I should have yeah. done a fullback because I would have no. put Hunter Lupke from uh, North Dakota State, Just who is around with who him. is a Kyle Yuschek, okay, um, kind of clone, uh, maybe a little bit more powerful, a little less athletic, but he would be really really fun as a fullback. But I like our guy here. I like Troy Harrison, man. Me too. I like that guy. Me too. Uh, but check it out on HoustonTexans.com. And until next time, this has been In the Lab.